Hello, race fans, and welcome to another edition of the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. I am your host, Scott Stiller. Coming up on this week's podcast, we'll talk with the newest team owner on the NTT IndyCar Series, Rob Citrone of Citrone Buell Autosports. Rob is also the largest minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. His driver, Spencer Pickett, starts 12th in the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. Also on this edition of the podcast, Rush Late Model Series driver Logan Zarin. Zarin picked up his first win at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway last weekend. On the pole position this week is Rob Citrone. Rob was kind enough to join us to talk about his new race team on the eve of the greatest spectacle in racing. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, one of the co-owners of one of the new IndyCar teams, Citrone Buell Autosport, Rob Citrone. Rob, thanks for joining us. Really a pleasure, Scott. Rob, tell me, how did you first become a race fan? Well, my father was a huge uh, Mario Andretti fan and um so we used to watch uh, all the indie races um especially indy 500 and back then the indy 500 wasn't televised live you had to watch it in race delay in the evenings so um you know we used to watch it it was a kind of ritual in our family and um, you know i became a big fan and my son nick uh, is probably a bigger fan than all of us uh is, is is involved and so it's a nice family thing that we do now nick works for the penguins correct he does yes he's a data analytics uh, analytics for them analytics is a is a big thing nowadays and and i know data is key in indycar so it's it's kind of interesting how the one of the things i find fascinating about indycar is the blend of speed and technology it's hugely important and uh, you know i think it's been it's nice nick has spent the whole last couple of weeks out here and he's been able to work with the team and bring some of his data analytics uh to the team so it's been been amazing and you know when i sit in some of the strategy meetings the amount of uh, data that we have we can analyze and how we can improve the race car uh is, is tremendous so it's really it's really critical so how did you go from being the fan to deciding that you wanted to get involved in team ownership well that's a big step to take uh and first and foremost we're fans uh, but it was an opportunity to work with robbie buell who's known for 20 years and then we teamed up with uh Ray Hall, Letterman, Landing and Racing, and, and, you know, Bobby and his team are just phenomenal. So it's been a great partnership so far, and, uh, you know, we have learned a lot, and um, we're excited to be part of it, and, you know, we hope to, you know, move forward in the future and to be part of IndyCar uh, for many years. How did you meet Robbie Buell? A lot of fans uh, that listen to the podcast know Robbie's a former IndyCar driver, and they have uh, Buell Autosport in Detroit that, that is a phenomenal program that, that reaches out into the community. Yeah, Robbie's a fantastic guy, and uh, we met him uh, through a friend uh, when he was on the uh, on the front row of Indy. Uh, it was the first I t- brought my dad. It was the first time we ever came to the race, and uh, we got to spend some time with him and got to know him well. And he, my son Nick actually interned uh, for Dryer Reinbold Racing, which he was part of uh, a few years later. So uh, we just kept that relationship and uh, kept in touch, and um, you know we share the huge passion for IndyCar. So when you decided that you wanted to get into ownership, was that something Robbie was thinking about too? So it was the meshing of, of the, the two organizations or was it a, you know, a conversation over a beer? How'd that, uh, how'd that go down? 
Well, Nick and I and our family was interested in getting involved, and we felt like we needed to bring someone in who uh, we trusted and uh, had a lot of insight and in, in relationships. And so Robbie was the perfect uh, person for that. And, um, you know, he is so passionate about IndyCar racing, and uh, he's been in ownership before, and so it was a great, uh, a great teamwork. You know, a lot of fans don't understand how much work goes in behind the scenes to actually get the car on the track and how much corporate support and how much – uh, the viewership and how much the engagement of the fans means to it. And it's been such a bizarre year with COVID. Uh, I think it's a huge credit to Roger Penske and the entire team that they've been able to, the entire IndyCar team, that they've actually been able to put on events. When you guys were gearing up to run the month of May and then COVID hit, uh, how'd you guys feel about that? Did it take them a little bit of the wind out of the sails? Well, it was really, as you said, a very strange year, and uh, it was obviously very disappointing, but I think they made the right decision to, to postpone the race and move it into August. And so, you know, it gave us something uh, forward to look, you know, something to look forward to. Uh, you know, we got to do the Indy uh, Grand Prix and over the July 4th weekend, which was, which was a wonderful uh, event. Uh, it does feel strange to have no fans, uh, for sure. It's, it's totally different. Uh, but, uh, you know, racing is, uh, uh, you know, critically and I think very vitally important uh, as other sports are for our country and to kind of get back to normal. And I think we're heading that direction. And I think Roger Penske's done a fantastic job at the speedway. The teams are really engaged, uh, but yeah, we need the, we need the fans out there. We need the fans to, you know, the viewership is tremendously important. I think IndyCar is making a huge revival here. Uh, and I think we're headed in the right direction. And, you know, I was on my flight from New York uh, here to Indianapolis and there were a couple on the flight and, and I saw them on the Indy uh, 500 stuff. And I said, are you, are you going to the race? And they said, no, 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 we're not going to the race, but we're going to, because we can't go, but we're coming to Indianapolis to celebrate the race. So those are the kind of fans that, uh, you know, are just tremendous. So it's, it's a huge, uh, huge support. And, um, but what goes into the teams is, is, is enormous. As you said, the technology is critical. It takes a lot of money uh, and effort and teamwork to run, to run these teams. And, you know, being part of the Steelers and then seeing, you know, behind the scenes now and the racing, you know, it's, it's all about preparation. It's about uh, hard work. It's about teamwork. And, um, you know, in football, you have the quarterback, which is the key guy. And in racing, it's the driver. But the team behind him is so critical. And the, the driver, the quarterback, can't do it without massive teamwork. You know, it's interesting. You touched on those parallels because about a, probably a decade ago, I sat down and did a television interview with Chip Ganassi. And he referred to a quote that Art Rooney Sr. said to him. He said that, you know, he said sports are, are not only about wins and losses, he said, but they're about profits and losses. And he said they can't go hand in hand. He said you have to pay attention to the business side of things. He said you have to build things brick by brick so you have a solid foundation. And it seems like that's what you guys are doing by coming in, running the partial schedule uh, this year and teaming up with Bobby Rahal's team. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're doing. And, um, you know, we're learning a lot. Um, you know, as I said, Bobby and his team are fantastic to work with. And, you know, it's amazing at IndyCar how many uh, ties are back to Pittsburgh. You know, you know, Bobby has his Land Rover Jaguar, you know, dealership and other dealerships in the Pittsburgh area. You got Chip Ganassi, who's one of the you know, leaders in the sports. You got PP, used to be a PPG series for many years, and PPG still a little involved. And PNC is the major sponsor for, for Chip's uh, Dixon car. So there's a huge, um, you know, uh, Pittsburgh uh, presence in 
Indy cars, and also it's one of the large areas in terms of fans, um, who percentage of fans who watch the races. So uh, maybe someday we can bring a race uh, to the Pittsburgh area. You know, the late mayor, Bob O'Connor, about 25, I don't know, I'm thinking, I'm guessing around 20, 25 years ago, I'd, I'd, I'd have to dig through my notes, but he actually, when he became mayor, he tried to put a coalition of business leaders together to explore the possibility of bringing a race to Pittsburgh. And I know Chip was was part of that program. And then unfortunately, uh, Bob passed away from cancer and it never came to fruition. But I always thought that it would be incredible to bring a street race to Pittsburgh and to run it over on the North Shore, like down around Heinz Field, PNC Park, yeah. the casino. Yeah. That would be like the perfect place to do it. So if anything ever... Uh, like that ever comes to fruition, you let me know. I'll be more than happy to be part of that program. That would be exciting. Well, thank you. I think that would be something really exciting. Can, can you imagine if we ran on the north side and then could it go over one of the bridges? I'm not sure that's possible, but uh, into the downtown area, that would be <laughs> that would be something amazing. But uh, yeah, I hope uh, someday that would happen. But you know, racing is uh, you know a huge uh, draw in, in 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 around the Pittsburgh area, all the sprint cars and the dirt tracks and that. So. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a hotbed for, for racing and huge indie fans there. So we hope to continue to grow that. And um, so, Well, that was one of the reasons I started Pittsburgh Racing Now was because, unfortunately, the years I spent in radio and television, there's just not enough time with three major sports teams, Pitt, Duquesne, Robert Morris as well, and the collegiate level. There's just not enough time to tell the stories about the local racers and the local tracks. So that was one of the reasons I started the website, Pittsburgh Racing Now, was to kind of draw attention to that. And one of the things I do to help drive traffic to the site is I cover Chip's team, I cover Bobby's team, yeah. and now I'm excited to cover your team. So uh, uh, well, great. I'm, I'm excited to try and grow the sport around here and to get more eyeballs in it and to support the 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 businesses in this area that help support racing because it's amazing how it's all intertwined. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Scott. And, you know, our Embrace Pittsburgh, uh, you know, which is one of the sponsors for the 45 car, uh, you know, we're doing a lot of philanthropy in Pittsburgh and really trying to make Pittsburgh the kind of mentally strong region of the, of the world. And, um, you know, it, it's something that, that means a lot to us. And this is one way to hopefully get the message out. Well, that's a phenomenal program. I would love to have them, uh, have some folks on from embrace pittsburgh to talk about the program in one of our future episodes so i'll reach well we'll reach out to you guys to try and make that happen no absolutely and we're we're really doing a lot we just we just launched our unpack you program where uh, for college students for the nine major colleges and universities in the area and uh, we've distributed twenty thousand steel safe kits and we have a lot of other programs we're going to do because college students uh, 80 percent now this year say that uh, anxiety uh, and stress is beginning to impinge upon their normal life. So that number is normally about 20%. So this COVID and uh, situation is really something dramatic. And so we're trying to help alleviate that a little bit, do the little we can. Uh, that's that's awesome. Because you know what? It's hard enough just going to school. Absolutely. Let's talk a little Absolutely. bit about uh, Spencer Piggott. Spencer's one yeah. of these, these guys who's come up through the, the road to Indy ranks. And he drove for Ed Carpenter had a phenomenal finish a couple of years ago in the 500. And I think he's one of these guys that just needs the right team and combination behind him and that support. And he had a phenomenal run going in the uh, GMR Grand Prix on the road course until he had a a fuel pump issue or something. 
Yeah, we had a, we had a little uh, electrical problem in the engine, and um, that led to some fuel pump uh, issues. But yeah, he I think he had a podium finish uh, in that race, and um, you know he, he he had a fantastic uh, run at it. He had a, a good weekend all weekend. We didn't have a great qualifying session, but he was pretty strong all weekend. He is just a solid uh, solid driver, uh, a super person, um, and he you know he just. Uh, has a lot of skills and he's had success in Indy lights and other, you know, he's won a lot of races uh, over, over the years as as he grew up. uh, uh, And he's had some success in the Indy car so far. So you're right. He just needs the right chance, the right spot. And hopefully on on Sunday we'll have a great race and he'll show the the skills that uh, that he has. But I'm I'm just uh, struck by how well he interacts with the team and the feedback he gives about the car uh, you know, we really work as a team uh, with Ray Held on Manigan and you know, work closely with Graham and Sato, and um, that is really all helpful. And he's a big part of that uh, in terms of the input that he can give as well. So he, he really is he's, he's young and he's energetic. He's, he's still got a lot of experience. And, and uh, uh, I also, he's always cool, calm, and collected. I tell you, he really uh, uh, is, uh, is, a, is a really balanced uh, uh, racer. You know, it's interesting uh, you talked about the, what he's bringing to the team, and I talked to Graham a few uh, few weeks back, and he was super excited to have your program melding with their program because he, uh, when Spencer ran for them a couple of years ago, he said that the feedback that Spencer was bringing to the table was uh, priceless, and he said it, you you know he said between the three minds, between the three drivers and all of the engineers. He said, I really, I'm really excited about the combination. And it kind of showed uh, last Saturday and Sunday in qualifying. Spencer just missed out on the Fast 9. Yes. And uh, Takuma and uh, Graham made it into the Fast 9. And, you know, people, they see the lineup from 1st to 33rd, and it's it's the closest IndyCar field in history. So it's it, you can just miss yeah. it by a tenth or two. And that's the difference between the fast nine and 20th. Yeah, I think there's at least 28 cars that can win this race on Sunday. That's one of the things that's so exciting about it. And uh, yeah, we sat in a strategy meeting yesterday uh, after after the last practice. And uh, you know, I was very impressed by the amount of discussion and feedback that uh, went on uh, for, a, for a good hour. Uh, and, and the drivers were all pitching in, all the engineers, Bobby Rahal, uh, it was very, uh, and, and bringing some experience, um, uh, you know, Bobby brings incredible experience and a lot of discussions about different strategies. And, um, uh, it, you know, I think it was helpful to help us prepare the drivers. I think our teams are well prepared, but uh, sharing that information and analysis is, is very helpful. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Sato had a great run in qualifying. Uh, and that setup, I think, is an important setup. And so that information has been, been very valuable for the whole team. How do we tap into the Steeler fan base and get them uh, interested in IndyCar race and to get them to check out an IndyCar race? We, uh, the NBC cameras captured you on Saturday sitting atop pit, the pit box, and you were dressed in your black yep. and gold. And <laughs> let me tell you, where yeah, the black, black and gold, gold, that's for sure. <laughs> Wear it all you can out in Indianapolis because I still get people yelling at me about uh, Troy Polamalu and, and Big Ben making the tackle against the Colts. Yes, yeah, but I can, I can tell you, I, you know, I, when I walk around town here and I have my Steeler uh, mask on, uh, the number of people that come up to me and, and say, go Steelers, and Steeler fans, it's just mind-blowing as well. So there's a huge Steeler fan base here in, in, in Indianapolis. Uh, so, um, you know, the Steeler fans, the Steeler Nation, I think probably maybe the best fans in the world. 
And uh, I'm sure a number of them are IndyCar fans, but we have to get more of them to become IndyCar fans. And um, They're passionate fans about the teams that they support. So uh, I think the things like you're doing, Scott, will be a big, uh, big uh, help uh, for that. And uh, I think the sport is really on a huge um, uh, uplift. And I think with Roger now owning the Speedway and uh, the series, I think it really is going to go great places. You know, when they split back a number of years ago, I think that was really debilitating for the for the series and um, now they're trying to put that back together and I think we're making big progress I think there's maybe a lot of announcements that will happen in the next couple of years that will be really um, uh, fabulous for the sport and, and bring excitement not only in the U.S. but uh, globally. Well, I think you picked a great time to get involved, and we're super excited to have another, I like to call it another hometown team to follow in IndyCar <laughs> racing. Well, thank you. We'll do our best, and uh, we're, we're certainly excited about uh, the Embrace Pittsburgh number 45 uh, on Sunday and working with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. What do you expect in the race? Uh, what Have you said anything to, to Spencer, uh, or do you think, what may you say say to him on uh, Sunday before uh, the green flag drops? Yeah, we've been pretty uh, clear that we're here to win the race. Uh, we're not here to finish, you know, fifth or seventh or tenth, or uh, we're here to win. So uh, we have to get up, uh, we have to stay up front and get up front early on. Um, you know, it's going to be a tougher race to pass than normal, but it's but passing is doable. Uh, but I think the beginning of the race is important to, to, to make some progress and to, um, uh, you know, be aggressive. I mean, we, we, we don't want to sit back. We want to be aggressive. Um, and we're here to win the race. So, um, you know, I think he's pretty excited about, about the car. I think he feels good about the car. Uh, you know, we're, yeah, I think the team's well prepared. Um, and so we'll, you know, we'll give it all we have on, on Sunday, but I know that he'll be, um, He'll be doing the best job that he can, and I think he really wants to prove what he can do. And uh, you know, he's had some success at Indy before. He's been on the front row, um, so we think uh, we think we have a good combination and a good shot. Uh, we need a little luck our, our way, and um, so we're excited. Well, one of the things is with you guys running the partial schedule, it's the ability to not have to worry about points. You're there for one reason and one reason only. Whereas the the teams that are running the full schedule, if they can't get to the front then their best uh, strategy is to get as many points as they can. That's correct. That's a fantastic point. Yeah, we're, we're here to win, and uh, the points don't matter to us. And um, we're going to do everything we can. Now, one last question before I let you go. Uh, uh, going forward with the program, what can you do you have any insight into next year, or do you just want to get these couple of races in, under your belt? Uh, what's the game plan over the next couple of years? Well, we've been working on, uh, you know, kind of strategic planning what we want to do going forward. And we've obviously had some conversations with Rahul uh, Letterman and get, uh, Racing and Letterman. And um, we're, you know, we hope to pursue and, and continue forward. So, but we haven't finalized anything yet. And, um, uh, you know, we'll see how we do on Sunday. I think that's that's an important part. And, uh, uh, but we're excited to try to be part of the sport for, for the long, long term. We're excited to talk to you. We thank you for taking time out of your schedule today, and we wish you the best of luck in the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. Scott, thank you so much, and uh, it was really a pleasure to be on your show. Great to talk to Rob, and exciting to have another Pittsburgh connection in the NTT IndyCar Series. Embrace Pittsburgh is also very exciting, and we're going to have more about what they do in a future podcast episode. As Rob mentioned, they have teamed up for this year's 500 with Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. Bobby Rahal, as many of you know, has a number of dealerships in western Pennsylvania and central Pennsylvania.
couple of the other Pittsburgh connections in this year's Indy 500, of course, include Chip Ganassi's team. And one other one you may not be familiar with, Kate Gunlack. Kate is an engineer on Pato O'Ward's car for Aero McLaren SP. She used to work for Chip Canassi Racing. And Kate grew up in Allison Park. She's a graduate of Hampton High School and the University of Pittsburgh. And how great is it that we have two corporate sponsors headquartered in Pittsburgh that are also involved in the series with PNC Bank and PPG Industries. PPG was instrumental in helping design the glass that is on the arrow screen. And I guess it's not even glass. It's called OptiCore. It's basically bulletproof, shatterproof. So it's exciting that they are involved in the NTT IndyCar Series. Marco Andretti on the pole position for the 500. Andretti turned a four-lap average of 231.068 miles per hour on the two-and-a-half-mile oval. PNC Bank Chip Ganassi Racing Scott Dixon lines up second on the grid, just 17 hundredths off of Andretti's speed. Third on the grid, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan's Takuma Sato, whose four-lap average was 230.725. Sato's teammate Graham Rahal will start eighth. Ganassi's Marcus Erickson will start 11th in the number eight Husky Chocolate Honda. And as we mentioned earlier, Spencer Piggott will roll off 11th in the number 45 High V Embrace Pittsburgh Honda. Felix Rosenquist in the number 10 NTT Data Chip Ganassi Racing Honda will start 14th. Coverage of the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500 starts at 1 p.m. on NBC and on the IndyCar Radio Network, which can be heard on the IndyCar app and on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Shifting gears to the local scene, how cool would it be to drive a race car and park it in Victory Lane while you're still in high school? That's exactly what our next guest did. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, driver of the number 1Z, Lavelle Enterprises, Zarin Truck and Auto, Rush, late model, Logan Zarin. Logan, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to have you on. You picked up the win Saturday night at PPMS. Uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit. That's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on. But I always ask all my guests the first question. It's pretty much the same question. When did you first get into racing as a fan? Um, my dad, my dad raced supers, so I was always too young to go in the pit. So I was always sitting in the stand. So I guess see my dad got me in the racing, just watching him every week. So just pretty much of that get me in the racing. So your dad, Jim, uh, raced super late models, correct? Yes. And what was it about racing that made you want to be a driver? Um, when I was little, it was just, you know, how fast they went. It's every, every kid is dreaming to drive a race car, so I guess it's uh, to go fast, so, and then the engines and all that stuff, so it's pretty much all, like, the basic stuff got me into it, and then I started getting a little older, and I figured out what more what it was, and then I guess that's what got me into it. What was the first car you got into? Was it a car, or was it a go-kart? Um, I raced dirt go-karts for a little bit, like, so that was the first thing I actually drove, and then I started racing crates a couple of years ago. So I started in the go-karts. How old were you roughly when you got your start in go-karts? Um, I think I was 10, 10 or 11. So I was, I was pretty young, 
would you say that? So, so I guess, yeah, 10 or 11. So you're what right now, 17? Yeah, 17. I turn 18 next month. And you're going to be a senior at Moon? Yep. Start my senior year next week, actually. So you got to be excited. To, I mean, what a way to start your senior year. You pick up your first rush late model win Saturday at PPMS. You're starting your senior year. Uh, you got a lot of things going on. Yeah, you know, I'm a busy teenager, so just trying to make time for racing and get all the cars prepped and all stuff like that. Now, you guys fielded a couple of cars at the Juke George race a couple of weeks ago, and the second car took a wicked hit. What all of you guys had to do to that? Um, it wasn't that bad, the car. Um, it was mainly body. We took it down Took it down to Mark Richards Racing Rocket Chassis in West Virginia just to check it out. Nothing was bent, so we're just replacing body panels and all that stuff. It speaks to the safety of the cars, the fact that that was, I, I think there were nine cars I counted involved in that pileup, and not a single person was hurt. And then later in the race, John Mollick, who, who you beat this past week, took a wicked shot as well and uh, damaged the front clip on his car. But uh, both everybody that was involved in any of these things walked away. Yeah, I mean, hats off to them guys on at Rocket. They built a really safe race car. I've never had any problems getting hurt or anything in the car, so just hats off to them down there. Let's talk a little bit about the race on Saturday at PPMS. Walk us through your heat, and how did you feel about the track? Did you know you guys had something uh, for them once you once you ran your heat race? Um, we started, I think I started third in the heat race. I ran third. The track was pretty heavy, actually, which is weird for PMS, so it was heavy. Um, but I knew we had, we had a pretty good car. We just messed around with a little setup. And then during the feature time, I knew the track was going to slick off. So that's how I like it. So we set up, put a slick setup in it and then started on the pool. And the car is just, the car is outstanding. Hats off to my guys for making the great setup. So it was just more than I could ask for in the track. And when you talk about a slick setup versus what would be the alternative to that? Um, the khaki tracks, the soft tires, um, some stuff on the shocks and then this, just quick, quick little bit of things, but it's like nothing crazy. Just little tweaks. It's just a different setup. Cause I was talking to Mike Norris last week on the podcast who won the Joke George race. And, you know, he was saying that during the heat race, it was starting to kick up, you know, crumbles, almost like marbles. And he said they finally got the track to his liking at the start of the race. So obviously the track was at your liking at the start of the race on Saturday. Walk us through the first couple of laps because I know there were a couple of cautions. And when you're starting out front, you know, we saw it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, guys were out front, had big leads, and then it comes late in the race. And then... Uh, it brings the field back up to them. Late race restart, I think three of the five races, the guy who led the majority of the race didn't win. You led wire to wire. Yep. Um, the first first couple of laps was early caution. Um, so I didn't know what the car was going to do. So then I got a couple laps under my belt and found the groove. And then towards the end of the race, the track started getting a little slicker. So uh, I moved down to the bottom. So my preferred line. So I found the bottom and then, my crew guy was telling me that I had a pretty big lead and just keep running my line. So I kind of knew we were going to, we were going to get it done like lap, lap 15 if there wasn't a caution. So I was praying that what they're, 
So it wasn't going to be a caution. And that's part of the, that's probably the hardest part is when you get out to the lead like that. And it's really the battle in the back of the field where the trouble seems to come from. Uh, very rarely, I mean, other than guys maybe racing for the top spot when they occasionally get together, pinch each other uh, against the wall or something like that. But normally the cautions come from back of the field. Uh, how nervous were those last couple of laps when you're just trying to bring it home? I mean, I knew it was be my first win, so I was just trying to hold on, like getting through lap traffic. That was my big thing. I just tried to pick them off as quick as I could so I could just get out the clean air again and just hit my marks and then hopefully get the checkers. Once the checkered flag flew and you crossed the stripe, uh, what were you feeling in the car and, and what were your crew guys saying to you over the radio? Um, it was an unreal experience. Um, I see my crew guys on the hall they're all jumping and stuff, so I knew they were excited. I knew they were excited to get the win at home and compared to like at a different track. So I knew that they were going to be pretty happy. I got out of the car and there's the party started and then they were all happy. It was a dream come true. Now, are your friends, some of your buddies, do they come to the track with you or do they sit in the stands and watch you? Uh, what are um, What's that kind of like? Because I know for a lot of the promoters, they want to see younger fans coming to the track. Um, my, one, my one buddy, Logan, is pretty much my right-hand man. He makes all, all like the dirty work, all, does all the work for me, with me, actually. So, um, But my other friends like from high school, they're – pretty caught up in like dirt bike racing so i'm pretty much the oddball running dirt cars but they try to come out and support when they can when they're not doing their the racing so i got a pretty good friend group they support me doing it and um yeah so i got a couple of friends that help me and then uh that's pretty much it what can we do to get some of the younger generation guys your age girls your age out to the racetrack how can we how can promoters sell it to them um, definitely the social media because all these kids these days are on social media. So if you have a good advertising program on social media, get it out there and uh, kids will see it and come to the track. And then once they come to the track, see like get them in the pits, see the cars, and I think they'll get a pretty good grab on it. You know, you touched on something about social media. One of the things that I love to see drivers do, you do it and some of the other guys do it, is you're always tweeting out stuff about what you guys are doing at the track. And you don't take what I'd like to call is the negative aspect of it. If if folks are going to grow the sport, you have to talk about how much fun it was and to give reason, give folks reason to come to the track. Social media is not really a place that I think racers should be airing gripes. Yeah, you just like let the fans know like where you're racing this weekend, how you did. There's no negative energy. Just just tell them how you did and all that stuff, just to, so they can follow your follow your schedule a little bit when they can't come to the track and see you. Now let's talk a little bit about who helps you out to get your car to the track week in and week out. Who who are uh, your sponsors and talk about the guys on your crew. Um, my crew, my, my dad, uh, Luke, Bobby, Logan, Sam, um, those guys really, they're here all week with me getting the cars prepped. So cause everybody knows that you can't just show up to the track on a Saturday and, and think you're going to be good. You, it starts in the, in the garage during the week. So hats off to those guys for getting the car prepped. And, um, my sponsors, uh, local enterprises, they're in trucking automotive, they're in trucking, Vallejo oil, 
Tomas Towing, Integra Racing Shocks, Wheels, Wings, and Wishes Foundation, Castle Landscape, um, Rocket Chassis, um, uh, Ingram Engines. Uh, that's, that's everybody that gets me on the road. So hats off to those guys and believing in me and giving me the sponsorships. Now, for somebody who's not involved in racing a business or an organization, why should they consider racing as a platform the way some of your sponsors have? Because you look at it like in the stands, like you go to some big races, there's like thousands of people there. So they see the sponsors on your car, uh, just looking at them, calling them up, and then maybe get business off of them. So it's it's just a really easy way to get your name out there and hopefully get some more business. That's well said, young man. Well said. I want to talk a little bit about your dad. You said you used to watch him race, and I know he's an integral part of what you do. Talk a little bit about what he means to you and how he's helped you up to this point. I mean, I, I really couldn't do it without him. He, all the tips he gives me, tells me to keep my head clear, all that stuff, the setup tips with him. Um, but the most part is just giving me advice, like what he learned when he raced and just telling me what to do, and then it really helps me out. I saw some of that advice a couple of years ago down in the pits and, and you were kind of frustrated with the car a little bit and you got out of the car and your dad was like, Hey, you know, I did this and you can do it. And, you know, he was kind of pumping you up, but at the same time, helping you clear your head, like you said. And, uh, I was wondering off the track, what do you guys do to get away from racing or is it racing 24 seven in the Zarin household? Um, I played hockey from my high school, so that's kind of my getaway, but all we talk about at home, like after work or just on a Sunday, all we talk about is racing and like who's racing where and all that kind of stuff. So me and my dad, my mom, and my sister are pretty much racing 24 seven, but hockey me with me playing hockey me and my dad get away sometimes and just go to the games and stuff that's cool other than the racing you guys do what kind of other racing are you guys into what do you you know when you have some time to watch it on television or dvr it what do you guys watch um we watch uh we watch professional motocross like i said my buddies mess around with that stuff so like we're kind of into that but like not not like competitively so we'll watch that um Maybe some NASCAR, not really, but when it's on, if we catch it on TV, we'll watch that. Um, and that's just pretty much it for that race, and it's mainly their cars, their late models. One of the things that a lot of tracks are doing, Lernerville this year started Lernerville TV, Dirt Vision's out there, Flow Racing's out there. It seems to be uh, like the wave of the future. And How much would you like to see your series get some more publicity in terms of television and internet? Um, it'd be great, honestly, because like I said, if you can't like make to the track, like go online the next morning, watch the race, like see the results, everything like that. So I think being online is a great like publicity and a way to get your, the sponsor, like the series name out there. So it'd be great if they could get it more on TV and stuff like that. So what's on your schedule the next couple of weeks? I know the Rush guys are at PPMS on Saturday. It's been a crazy schedule because of COVID-19. And uh, I think the race fans and all the race teams have done a great job adhering to the protocols that the tracks have put in place because, you know, Sharon is shut down right now. Ohio had to shut down because 
they've seen COVID numbers spike. And fortunately, places like Pittsburgh, Lernerville, Mercer, Tri-City, they've been able to continue because the fans and the teams are doing their part. Yeah, um, we plan to hit a couple races right here. So we'll hit some local races and maybe travel up to New York or something, maybe to West Virginia. Uh, we might, I might make my super debut at the Pittsburgher in October. So hopefully we get to do that. And um, so the schedule is pretty, pretty, pretty local because of COVID. There's not a lot of tracks open. So just stay local and maybe get ready for the Pittsburgh with the super. So t- talk a little bit about the super. First, I heard of that. Uh, do you guys need some sponsors for that? Or are you going to, uh, your sponsors that you have on your car right now going to uh, partner up with you to, to run that? Yeah, they're going to partner up with me. Um, once we get the motor, get the motor in, we'll, We'll just make sure everything's right because we're not going to rush into it. We got all next year to run supers and then just keep going from there. But I, I'd like to make my debut as a Pittsburgher. So if everything works right, we get the motor in and we should be out there. Wow, some exciting news here on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. I'd love to hear that. I love to hear that out of young race car drivers. And I'm super excited for you, your family, and all your sponsors on your first win this past weekend at uh pittsburgh can you make it two in a row on saturday yeah that's the plan i gotta gotta start deep in the field in 12 so we'll see what i can do well we wish you the best of luck and we thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us on the pittsburgh racing now podcast thanks for having me It it was a pleasure logan zarin driver of the lavelle enterprises zarin truck and auto rush late model joining us on the pittsburgh racing now podcast Thanks to Logan for joining us. Logan and the rest of the Rush Late Models were rained out Saturday night at PPMS. They did get the heat races in, however. Zach Gunn, Justin Lamb, and Ben Police picked up those wins. Carl Bowser and Jack Soderman Jr. picked up the wins in the 410 heats. Zach Morrow and Alan Dellinger picked up the heat wins in the Rush Sprints. Nick Kokuba and Frank McGill grabbed the Pro Stock heat wins. Friday at Lernerville, Dan Shetler picked up a very popular win in the 410 sprint feature. John Mollick was victorious in the Big Block Modifieds feature with Garrett Crummert right behind him in second place, followed by the Kings, Rex Sr. and Rex Jr. Joey Zambodi held off Corey McPherson to take the victory in the Pro Stocks feature with Chris Schneider rounding out the top three. Michael Norris took home the checkered flag in the late models feature. Norris held off Ken Shelton Brand to park it in victory lane for the second time this season. Alex Faree was third. Speaking of the Crusher kid, he needs local race fans to vote him in to the Intercontinental Classic at Eldora. Fans can vote every day on Flow Racing's website through August 25th. Norris needs to finish in the top four in voting to make it. At the time of this recording, the Crusher kid was on the bubble in fifth place. So vote every day and get your friends to vote too. That does it for this edition of the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. Extra special thanks to Rob Citrone of Citrone Buell Autosports and Logan Zarin for joining us on this episode. And thanks to you race fans, we appreciate all the support. Stay up on all the news both locally and nationally by clicking on pittsburghracingnow.com every day. Enjoy the races. Any use or reproduction of this podcast without the express written consent of Pittsburgh Racing Now is strictly prohibited. Until next time, I'm Scott Stiller.